best part of doing a podcast is the fact that I have no production schedule. Well, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, given the fact that if I had a producer who kept me on point, I'd probably be releasing shows every week and my scripts would be timely. But on the other hand, I'm an anarchist, so no gods, no schedules. Anyway, welcome to Red Leg Revolution, a show about community. I'm Carpenter Dubs, and I'm the host of this gig. But you knew that already, because you're a loyal listener to the show, aren't you? And if you aren't, and this is your first show, why, why would you start here? Go back and listen to the first handful of episodes. Or don't. I'm not the boss of you. <sighs> it's going to be a long and heavy one today, y'all. The tentative title of this episode is Another Day in Dystopia, and we're going to go over why... And we're going to cover a lot of ground, because there's been a lot to cover since I did my last episode that wasn't about the Roe v. Wade decision. Life kind of caught up with me between work and interpersonal relationships and kids and summer, and honestly being overwhelmed, which we'll talk a bit about, I I kind of put this on the back burner. But hey, to quote the immortal robot Bender, I'm back, baby. So... Yeah, I'm going to level with y'all. The sheer amount of fuckery going on in the past few months is one of the reasons I've been out of commission here. I've been completely overwhelmed by all the bad shit happening. It's honestly taken a lot out of me emotionally. And there's just been so much to cover. Not to mention the fact that I've been working my ass off because it's summer. I've been back at the grind and I haven't been, you know, around doing this thing. But today, I'm taking the day off. I just wrapped up a fence, and today is a me day. I've got the house to myself. My cat is chilling in the sun outside. The laundry is currently in between cycles, so I figured let's hop on the mic and get this get this thing going, you know? So, first off, we're, I'm just going to kind of list off uh, all the things that I wanted to cover in this episode, and then we'll touch a little more on each individual topic as we go. And I don't know if I mentioned it, but I wrote this script about a month ago, and I'm just now getting to sit down and record it, so some of this stuff isn't timely. I'll probably catch myself in a few areas and kind of correct what I'm saying. Just bear with me. I either had the energy to record a podcast or write a script, so we're actually going to do something that y'all can benefit from. So that being said, it's been super, super hot lately, I'm sure y'all notice. And more than a few days, it's been hotter here than in Florida, temperature-wise. Speaking of Florida, shout out to my homies at the Skunk Ape Liberation Union. And that's normal. I mean, not the anarchists sending free seeds across the country. That should be normal. I'm talking about the fact that there's been a few days where it's been hotter here in Kansas than it was in Florida. But that's the new normal. So we were having unseasonably cool temperatures in May and then super, super hot temperatures in June that are usually more normalized around late July, August. So we just skipped the dog days of summer, and I'm going to remind you, this is the coolest summer for the rest of your life. The Texas power grid is once again struggling, a houseless man died in KC from heat exposure a few weeks ago, and Yellowstone National Park was closed due to damage from unnatural flooding. But I'm sure this is perfectly normal, right? This is fine. 
nothing to worry about. This is this is pretty cool. Ha. Huh. Pun intended. Meanwhile, since our last episode, the Supreme Court had a document leak that said they were working on overturning Roe v. Wade and making bullshit state bills like Texas SB 8 effective with no means of legal recourse. Check out our very first episode for exactly what's messed up about that particular bill. Here in Kansas, the anti-choice activists are pushing to repeal a constitutional amendment that will guarantee a woman's right to choose, and I hate to say it, but will probably succeed in outlawing abortion in Kansas. Speaking of the Supremes, it's been a barrage of shitty rulings in the last month or so. From reproductive rights to indigenous sovereignty to Miranda rights and beyond, we're seeing the acceleration into fascism done through the so-called due process of law. And honestly, it's kind of freaking me out. And I would be remiss to not talk about the Rob School shooting in Uvalde, Texas, where Salvador Ramos fatally shot 19 students and two teachers and wounded 17 other people. This spurred another round of gun right debates. The same issues of access, mental health, and pop culture influences were discussed before we moved on to the next headline. Naturally, we didn't discuss the effects of white supremacy, patriarchy, and the lack of access to mental health services because these things would require us to actually do something about kids getting murdered in school. Oh, yeah, then there's the, quote, inflation and gas prices. Oh, yeah, then there's the, quote, inflation, unquote, and gas prices. Well, that's what the politicians and media call it, but the working folks know it's unfettered corporate greed. Companies are gouging consumers in an effort to make up for lost profits caused by the pandemic. We see it in our groceries, our paid services, and at the gas pump. Speaking of the pandemic, it's still going on. It's, I've heard, hit endemic quality, but we never really did anything under Biden to mitigate it. And now we don't give two shits because it's only endangering the immunocompromised, the very old, the very young, and QAnon antivirus types. But the show must go on, so fuck em, seems to be society's response. That's, for the record, that's, that's genocide. Allowing a population who is very much at risk to die from disease that could have and should have been prevented way and way earlier stages, yeah, that's, that's called a genocide. But, on the other hand, it's not all bad. Unions are making a comeback in a big way, particularly in the service industry. There's a union at Amazon now, and over 150 Starbucks stores have won their union drive, with even more actively pursuing a union. The Great Resignation is still going on, as workers are refusing to work for shit pay and shit everything anymore. This is being fought tooth and nail by the big corporations who brag about paying $15 an hour when inflation is at an all-time high, so $15 an hour is worth about the current minimum wage of $7.25. It's, it's not nice out there, y'all, but I'm sure you know it because you're also living in it. This is not a, a new scenario. I'm not bringing you any breaking news that you're not already seeing, whether it's the Supreme Court rulings or how you're getting robbed every time you buy stuff while the oil companies are getting record profits or, you know, it was just the 4th of July the other day and I didn't do the research, but apparently there was a shooting at an upscale suburb of Chicago where more people got killed. So I don't feel like I'm overstating things when I say 
it's another day in dystopia. This country has always had a lot of problems. It's always been rocky. And I don't think I'm the only one that's seeing the fact that this is a decline in real time. And there's not a whole lot we can do about it. <sighs> Man, I, I really should have stayed on top of this and done a single episode for all these topics because I just did, you know, the introduction and I'm already pissed, but I'm going to push, push through it after we take a brief ad break so I don't completely lose my mind. So why don't you kick back and listen to these wonderful ads for a bunch of groups and businesses that are doing awesome work and trying to refuse this dystopia that we are currently in. And I'm going to take a few minutes and focus on my breath and do some Buddhist stuff and remember that in the end, everything's going to be okay. But first, here's some ads. Deep in the swamps of Florida. Honey, is that a new plant? He dwells, waiting. Where did those seeds come from, honey? Silently. Oh my god, what is that thing? Sending seeds and stickers across the country. Ah! And spreading solidarity. Have you lost your mind, honey? We can't move to a sustainable commune in upstate New York. What's wrong with you lately? There's no stopping him. The mighty skunk ape is on Facebook and he's on a mission. Anarchy! No! Coming to a post office box near you, the Skunk Ape Liberation Union. Hey, capitalism sucks, but Revolution Records, Kansas City's old school record and bookstore, is part of my community. When I'm in Kansas City and need a book or a copy of a local band's album, I go to Revolution Records. Revolution has a great selection of posters, books, records, tapes, and zines. Plus, they repair music and sound gear. That's pretty dope. Most importantly, Revolution Records is part of the community beyond being a small business. The staff does a great job maintaining an inclusive, accepting, and respectful atmosphere, and they also are active in making Kansas City a better place. Community fundraisers, workshops, events, and meetings all have taken place at Revolution Records, and that's just the stuff I was involved in. So the next time you need a new record to spin or your speaker breaks, go check out Revolution Records, located 1830 Locust Street, Kansas City, Missouri, or at Revolution Records. RecordsKC.com. And we're back. Like I said, a lot has happened, so let's just start with the weather, particularly the heat. Well, specifically the flooding in Yellowstone National Park. From CNN.com, quote, Yellowstone National Park will remain closed to visitors through at least Wednesday due to a dangerous flooding conditions, which have prompted park evacuations and left some in surrounding communities trapped without safe drinking waters, officials say. The park announced Monday that all park entrances were closed to visitors, citing re record flooding events and a forecast of more rain to come. The abundant rainfall and rapid snowmelt combined to produce up to three quarters of a foot of water runoff, which is similar to the area receiving two to three months of June precipitation in only three days, according to CNN weather calculations. End quote. 
Yellowstone is an amazing place. I went to Yellowstone National Park for the first time last year. It was an incredible transformative experience and it makes me sad to think that this isn't going to be available to people all over the United States this year. Given the fact that climate change is only going to get worse, it's possible that events like this are not only going to become more commonplace, that's not even mentioning the hell climate change is playing on the distinct ecosystem of the Yellowstone caldera. For the record, the Yellowstone caldera and surrounding areas are one of the greatest intact, undisturbed ecosystems in the United States, if not the world. I'm not sure about that. But what that means is the Yellowstone caldera area and the Wind Mountains and the Bridger Mountains and the Abras Abrasoka, Abrashka. Hey, would one of my native homies tell me how to pronounce that? Because I am butchering that. And while I love butchering white people names and languages, I feel bad when I do that to indigenous languages. But anyway, it's an intact ecosystem, which means we haven't had a whole lot of impact directly on it. So there's a lot of opportunities to observe and study nature in the way it's supposed to be. And we're going to see all that drastically, we are seeing all that drastically changing due to climate change. For example, increased heat is driving a decline in salmon, which in turn is forcing grizzly bears to turn to other food sources. This is damaging the natural balance of the ecosystem as bears deplete other game animals and in turn other carnivore species are negatively affected. And these things are only going to get worse before it gets better. For the record, like I said earlier, it's also pretty hot here in Kansas, which isn't odd for the middle of the map. What is odd is that we're seeing late July, early August temperatures in early June. This is going to cause all our electricity bills to go up. I'm looking for a price hike before summer is over because Monopoly, and also causing a natural wear and tear on our electric infrastructure. Basically, we're used to running are using all the power that we use to run our ACs like this in late July, early August. And we're having to do it even earlier and earlier in the year. And eventually all this undue stress that our systems weren't made for is going to cause breakdowns. So I guess what I'm getting at is I hope you all know some basic electrical stuff or are friends with some electricians because I see within my lifetime points where if we want to have power, we will need to be self-generating it through our communities. Plus side, no more monopolies on the power structures and we won't be subject to random price hikes and fees. But luckily, here in Kansas, we're not Texas, who has a privatized power grid, and it's not completely failing. But it's still not designed to support the added burdens of extra use. Brownouts and blackouts are coming, and then we're all going to feel the heat. But Menards is still going to have every display light shining, Walmart will still be cooling all their stores at 68 degrees, and the people with money will still have comfortable homes. It's the working class that will suffer, as is the case with almost everything. And we're already suffering. People die from heat exposure, particularly those without homes. There's little ways to mitigate the heat if you can't get to a cooling station, and there's few public spaces with AC where houseless folks can be in and exist without it being a crime. 
This is only exacerbated as the real estate market driven by corporate greed makes renting or owning a home unaffordable. Yeah, I didn't mention that at the top of the show, but we are going to talk a little bit about the housing issues right now. But right now, let's just say climate change is real and we're already experiencing the effects. Like I said earlier, this is the coolest summer we'll have in the next 50 years or more. Now, we're going to talk a little bit about Roe. Roe v. Wade. I wrote the following segment a few weeks before the final ruling was laid down officially, and I honestly don't really want to rewrite it. So I'm going to roll with what I got, adding in my thoughts as they come up. I also encourage you to check out the last two episodes I did, which detailed my thoughts on the official decision announcement, basically in real time, one of which I literally recorded about four hours after the announcement was released, and then the second one was about a week later when I got my thoughts together. So it it definitely will cover some of the same points that I'm about to bring up, but also goes a bit more in-depth, particularly the second one. So, from NPR on May 3rd, 2022, quote, The new site Politico Politico sent shockwaves across the country Monday night when it published what appears to be an initial draft majority opinion written by Justice Samuel Alito and reportedly circulated inside the court, suggesting the U.S. Supreme Court intends to strike down Roe v. Wade. Chief Justice John Roberts confirmed the authenticity of the document in a statement on Tuesday morning, but he says it does not represent the court's final position. He also ordered the Supreme Court marshal to investigate the leak. End quote. Obviously, that that Roberts lied, and it was their final position, but I think if they had admitted that up front, we probably would have reacted um, in a way that perhaps was a bit more efficient. But if you're listening to the show, I'm going to go ahead and assume you know the background of the original Roe decision. In short, it ruled abortion was legal because the legal system had no right to infringe upon the privacy of an individual seeking an abortion. It was both an abortion case and a privacy case. I'm no lawyer, but Amy and Amanda from These Are Bad Movies are, and they did an excellent job breaking down the legal ramifications of this case on their Cider House Rules episode, which dropped after this was announced, but before it was finalized. I encourage you all to check that out for a more in-depth legal explanation, because I'm, again, I'm not a lawyer. I'm pretty smart for a layman, but I've never, the only bar I've ever passed is the one I passed out over when I was like 22. So, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on the abortion end of this ruling, mainly because most of what I said in my very first episode and the past two episodes covered my thoughts on it. I recently gave my very first episode a listen and was like, damn, I called it. The ramifications of this case are bigger than reproductive rights. The legal precedent set by this case will also apply to gay marriage, interracial marriage, and a host of criminal statutes that go against privacy laws. Again, Check out my previous episodes or that These Are Bad Movies episode for a better explanation than what I'm giving you. But this is big. And like climate change, we don't even know how bad the ramifications of this are going to be. Particularly with the Supreme Court composed the way it is. Speaking of, I don't have this written down, just side note. Again, we have nine unelected people who are actually the highest like, source of power in America, and it's been that way since this country's inception, and I have a lot to say about how messed up this country is based on its founding and all that, but for a democratic country 
pretty messed up that there's no recall option for the justices of the Supreme Court and that they serve for life. Just saying. Seems to me like this is some overall dictator shit and we just pretend like it's a free and fair democracy. But I digress. Here in Kansas, on the August ballot, is an effort to repeal the constitutional amendment that promises reproductive rights. And honestly, I think it's going to pass. I hope I'm wrong, but at the same time, and as usual, the religious right has been actively lobbying the public for the past six months, while the Kansas Democrats have been lackluster in their opposition initially. I do have to say it's gotten more obvious as we're running up to the election here in a month or so. There's billboards now, and I'm starting to see signs and bumper stickers, but I've driven through Kansas a bit lately, and we are clearly outnumbered, particularly once you get out of the urban core, as is usually the case when it comes to single-issue votes like this. So I can't say too much about the Democrats because they are, in fact, doing something to lobby against this, but I can say that it probably would have been a lot more effective had they gotten their crap together ahead of time. And again, I'm not throwing shade on the groups who are active independent of the Democrat Party to fight this. I know that there are more than a few groups who have been getting their stuff together from the get-go, but there's definitely organizational issues within the center-left and one would think if they were going to get their crap together for any issue, it would be this one. So I'm really afraid my prognostications for how this bill is going to go are right, and it's going to be horrible. Now, personally, I'm thinking that to combat this ruling, we need another woman's march, but with guns this time. Lots of guns. For show, obviously. I heard this idea bandied a bit when the ruling was first announced, but so far no mass movement on Washington has been planned that I'm aware of. I mean, I'm not advocating violation of any federal statutes, for show only, but I do think... Speaking of guns, an elementary school in Texas was shot up a while ago. The police failed to stop the shooter. I wish that was all I had to say about the inept police response, but not only did they fail to stop Salvador Ramos, but they also went in to evacuate their own children while preventing other parents from doing the exact same thing. For 78 minutes or so, the police in Uvalde stood around refusing to make a tactical entrance to save lives because, get this, they might get shot. And even when they did breach the school, they managed to make a child expose their hiding place and get killed in the process. I also wouldn't be surprised if the police force didn't actually kill one or two children by accident based on how cagey they're being with releasing all the documentation from that horrible day. I really did want to quote some news articles about this, but I can't. I simply can't. It's too upsetting to me as both a father and a former school custodian. But the news is out there documenting all of this, from the restraining of parents to the excessive wait times. And like I just said, I would be really, really surprised to find out that they didn't accidentally kill somebody that they were supposed to save. So why do we even have police, for God's sakes? If they can't go save kids during an active shooter situation, what exactly do they do? Oh, yeah, I know, protect the status quo. But can we at least stop pretending that cops are here to protect us? 
I can't remember which other shooting it was where the school resource officer didn't engage a shooter, and honestly, I'm too overwhelmed to research it. But this isn't a new thing. Cops don't protect anything but the status quo and capital, and they don't protect anyone but other cops and the bosses. This is why we say defund the police. This is why we say all cops are bastards. There are no good cops. Okay, we could divert so much of the f bloated police budgets that all these cities have to things like social work or getting people housing or job opportunities or community outreach, all sorts of things that actually help the community and statistic statistically have been proven to reduce crime. But instead, we keep sending them money. Even our current Democrat administration has increased police budgets despite being elected immediately after the George Floyd uprisings of 2020. I'm, I'm a little touchy on this subject. Um, a lot of you are my friends on social media and know that I had a very severe panic attack on the 4th of July that was due to being unjustly tear-gassed by the Kansas City, Missouri police during the uprising. Also, quick reminder that, you know, gassing your citizens is the type of thing that we invade other countries for, but it's, it's okay when our police do it. But instead of discussing how worthless the police are, we go back to the same standards of gun control, and the gun control debate goes on. How can we stop this, <laughs> as The Onion likes to put it every time that this happens? Look, I, I, don't, I don't think you all are surprised that I'm very pro-gun. I don't buy into the propaganda put out by the right-wing chuds like the NRA, but I get the same conclusion for different reasons. I also don't think anyone is coming to take my guns, not a, nor am I against certain measures to reduce gun violence, like most responsible gun owners. All these school shootings, supermarket massacres, and nightclub bloodbaths all have a few things in common besides the fact a gun was involved. The most common factor is right-wing fascist ideology specifically espoused by the perpetrators. But instead of addressing these explicitly stated motives of these mass killers, we want to talk about things that don't matter when compared to that one common denominator. For example, mental health is obviously a large factor in all these, but we're not passing universal health care with mental health services included. Instead of talking about the patriarchal causes of the impotent male rage that drives these shootings, we act like these, shoot like these shooters are outliers. Instead of providing base services to the populace that have been proven to reduce fascist ideology, we say, no, comma, more fascism. We look at this gaping wound and think, well, a Band-Aid will fix this. Well, for the record, a Band-Aid won't fix a shotgun blast to the chest. You need intensive surgery, proper recovery time, and a host of other variables yet to be addressed in the national discourse. And you can't convince me that even if the Democrats managed to pass comprehensive gun reform, that it wouldn't be used against minorities and leftists. Hell, it already has. Right-wing shooters and militias are left to their own devices, but a black guy in the street is going to be arrested and maybe killed for owning a legal firearm. Y'all remember Philando Castile? Hell, the earliest gun control laws in the USA were made to keep black people from owning weapons. Considering recent times, one of the first modern gun control laws was enacted by fucking Reagan in California as a direct response to the Black Panther Party's necessary habit of carrying guns to prevent police brutality, well within their legal right. The FBI knows and tracks a lot of these mass shooters, yet do nothing about it. You frequently see in news articles that the FBI is always like, he was on our radar. Well, 
Why didn't you do anything about it? If a leftist posts something questionable online and is caught with guns, they throw the book at them. It's not a problem with guns, it's a problem of who society allows to have guns. And as long as fashy fucks get to be armed, then it's unreasonable to, be ex to expect oppressed demographics to not own their own firearms. It would be difficult, or sorry, it would be different if the police were here to protect us and actually did a good job at that with their disproportionate budgets, but we already established that A, they can't, and B, they won't. Gun prohibition is going to be utilized much like drug prohibition to prosecute and attack those who cannot depend on the police for protection. It's how gun control has been utilized since the late 17th century. Not that the police protect anyone, but we don't need to go all over that again. <sighs> Fuck me. It is another day in dystopia. I need another break. Here's some ads. Just got my hours cut again? How can I pay my bills? Yeah, it sucks, especially since they only pay us minimum wage. But what can we do? Solidarity Man. That's right, fellow workers. It is I, Solidarity Man, champion of the working class. And it sounds like you need a union. A union? That's right. What power on earth is weaker than the feeble strength of one? So a union makes us strong? That's right. Alone, you can do little to change your situation. But together, you can move mountains. And the industrial workers of the world are here to help. Huh? The IWW is a union for all workers, no matter the trade, job, or career. And we want to organize your workplace. Wow. Where can we find the IWW? In your hometown. The IWW has branches all over the world. Check out IWW.org to find your local membership board or join as an at-large member and start your own chapter. After all, our greatest superpower is working together. I must go. I hear another exploited worker calling for help. But remember, the working class and the employing class have nothing in common. Away! Hey, capitalism sucks, but Revolution Records, Kansas City's old school record and bookstore, is part of my community. When I'm in Kansas City and need a book or a copy of a local band's album, I go to Revolution Records. Revolution has a great selection of posters, books, records, tapes, and zines. Plus, they repair music and sound gear. That's pretty dope. Most importantly, Revolution Records is part of the community beyond being a small business. The staff does a great job maintaining an inclusive, accepting, and respectful atmosphere, and they also are active in making Kansas City a better place. Community fundraisers, workshops, events, and meetings all have taken place at Revolution Records, and that's just the stuff I was involved in. So the next time you need a new record to spin or your speaker breaks, go check out Revolution Records, located 1830 Locust Street, Kansas City, Missouri, or at Revolution Records. RecordsKC.com. Jesus Christ, we're back. I don't know about y'all, but those ads didn't quite get me to where I was at peace, so I think I need to ground. So before we get into the next infuriating topic, let's go ahead and take a minute to recenter. Let's go ahead and close your eyes, take a deep breath, hold it, exhale. And think of Ronald Reagan being buggered with a pitchfork by the devil in hell. Now, isn't that a nice feeling? Okay, let's bring it back and back. Breathe in, breathe out, and we're back. Let's talk about the price gouging going on. The politicians call it inflation, but that's a straight-up lie. It's price gouging, pure and simple. 
Every industry is doing this right now, but we're going to focus on the oil industry because gas is one of the factors that other companies are using to justify raising prices. As Americans are paying upwards of $5 per gallon at the pump, big oil is enjoying record profits. It doesn't take a genius economist to realize if the companies are gathering record profits, then the cost of oil in production isn't what's driving the gas price hike. It's corporate greed, pure and simple. It's yet another way to redistribute the wealth upwards. When the price begins to spike, politicos and CEOs blame the Russian invasion of Ukraine, but America doesn't get much fuel from that region. Again, it was a pretext to gouge us at the pump, yet the false narrative that it's all Russia's fault is happily espoused by both Democrat and Republican lawmakers. Given how America was remodeled to be a car culture, thanks car and oil companies, gasoline is a necessity and should be, protect, uh, and should be protected from overt price gouging. Look, I have to drive to Kansas City for most of my work as a contractor. The trip used to cost me between 6 to $8 for a round trip. That same trip now costs me between 10 and $16 per round trip. I'm fortunate enough to drive a rather fuel-efficient car, but those same gas prices affect the independent truck truckers who deliver all our stuff, which in turn rises food prices for everything from toilet paper to food. There's already issues with having enough truckers, and the cost of gas is an obstacle to easing our logistical issues. Like, if I have to pay for my own gas, then every cent of a price increase is literally money out of my pocket, making the whole thing a complete waste of time if I'm a trucker. And while I don't blame Biden or the Democrats for the gas prices, it is intellectually dishonest to pretend that shitty imperialist and capitalist policies that the Democrats, as well as the Republicans, endorse don't affect the price at the pump. The price of oil isn't set by the President or Congress. As a meme I keep seeing from a shitlib source keeps pointing out, gas prices are affected by distribution costs, taxes, and the price of oil. All these things are affected by American policy. When we destabilize countries in the Middle East, like the Afghanistan war, which Biden supported, we raise the cost of oil. When we impose trade tariffs on those same countries to score socioeconomic points, we affect the distribution. When we make shitty policies that the oil-producing world doesn't like, we get retaliated by the oil cabals raising prices. Taxes are self-explanatory. And for the record, I'm in favor of gas taxes to maintain our roads. I'm not in favor of the consumer paying these taxes when the oil cartels are making record profit. Tax the profit on the oil companies, not the consumer at the pump. So nothing happens in a vacuum and gas prices are no different. Not to mention the fact that there's been no effort to secure energy independence since the 70s gas crisis, nor has the federal government backed gas relief supplement checks as some states are doing. We're also not bringing criminal collusion and conspiracy charges on the execs of the oil companies, which we should be doing anyway for rising the global temperature and making climate change even worse. Huh, I wonder why. Maybe it's because the Democrats are funded by those same oil execs? So are the Republicans, but like so many topics, at least the Republicans aren't pretending that they're trying to help. Honestly, I'd rather have a man tell me he wants to kill me as he comes at me with a knife than a man telling me he's my friend as he raises the knife behind my back. Speaking of government ineptitude, we've given up on any attempt to protect those most vulnerable from the COVID-19 virus. We've relaxed all restrictions and be damned if you have young children who can't be vaccinated or old folks in your household or you're immunocompromised. As the classic meme says, guess I'll die. I'm not sure there's much the government can do now anyway, but I'll always be angry about how shitty both parties handled the pandemic. 
We never actually shut down. We never enacted effective mask mandates. We never offered relief or incentive to not spread a deadly disease. Too many people died from the non-response from both Trump and Biden and their congressional cronies, and the genocide of immunocompromised people is still going on. The economy shouldn't be protected at the cost of our most vulnerable citizens, whether that's COVID relief, gun control, or price gouging. And when I wrote this, I initially was thinking actual COVID deaths, but as I'm reading it, it really dawns on me that we also have to include deaths from exposure, people who were evicted because they couldn't pay their rent and eviction moratoriums were ended, and the people who took their own life due to stresses of living in a pandemic with no government support, people who were killed over mask mandates. I mean, like so many other things in our capitalistic society, nothing happens in a vacuum. And all these deaths, I lay at the feet of both political parties. And maybe that's unfair of me, but from where I'm standing, nobody did anything to keep us safe. And I don't think I'll ever change my mind on that. Anyway, speaking of price gouging, the rental market is ridiculous right now. Like everything else, landlords are raising rent even as the cost of other basic necessities are getting unaffordable. They claim it's keeping up with market price, whatever that is, and equity firms buying private dwellings are the ones raising said market price. That's not even a touch on the same effects of the buyer's market basically pricing working people out from buying their first homes. Again, no help from the government in the form of rent control, no statutes being discussed to outlaw private equity firms from driving up the price of home ownership, no reduction in credit score limits for FHA loans, absolutely nothing. They're just leaving us to hang, as usual. That's why I can't in good faith tell people voting changes things on the national level. I talked a bit about this in my last episode and when we're talking state politics, obviously we just covered the uh, abortion amendment, and so voting does change things. But at the national level, no. It's a football scrimmage where a team divides in two to practice against one another. They're really all the same team. They just pretend as shirts versus skins. I warned you all about this when Biden got elected. He straight up said it was going to be more of the same, and that's exactly what we're seeing. The rich get richer while the rest of us struggle to survive. At least when 45 was in office, the Democrats pretended to care and actually did a few minor things to make Trump look bad. But now that we have fascism light in office, it's back to brunch. That's why we can't count on any national politician to actually encode re reproductive rights or pass universal health care with mental health benefits or tackle white supremacy that drives mass shooters or offer relief from price gouging. Because in the end, they don't view us as people. We're expendable for our labor for our attention, for our votes. They don't care about us. Wow, yeah. Heavy, heavy episode. Probably should have recorded this before I had to switch to bi-weekly meetings with my therapist, but luckily it was a productive session yesterday, so I'm able to, to get through this. Because it's not all doom and gloom. I mean, most of it is, but not all of it. Like I said at the top of the show, unions are making a comeback in a big way. Mutual aid groups are springing up left and right as the populace realizes the only way we can count on each other is counting on each other, not politicians. Hey, and Taco Bell brought back potatoes and Mexican pizza. I mean, I want to nationalize healthcare, but I guess I'll take some cheesy Fiesta potatoes. It's important that we don't lose hope and that we don't get overwhelmed by all this. 
I mean, I spent a significant amount of time with my therapist discussing how to cope with all this, and I do my best to not get overwhelmed. We at least have each other, and that's not lip service. The community is sustaining each and every one of us more and more, and the realization is going to help us build a new world. We honestly couldn't do it when the mythos of individualism wasn't so easy to see through. But that myth is breaking apart at the seams, and more people are seeing that. Cops don't protect us. Politicians won't help us. The two-party system is inherently flawed. We can't count on companies to provide our food, our electricity, or our basic day-to-day -day needs. I hope that one day, before this all completely implodes, that we get some actual change in our governance. I hope that one day we'll see mass movements to enact real change, whether it's about reproductive rights or gun control or health care. And I hope that one day our politicians are beholden to the people, not corporate elites. I hope that one day we can realize that when we work together, we can achieve anything. I hope. But you know what they say, wish in one hand, shit in the other, and see which gets filled up first. Given this country is already full of shit, I think it's Hope's turn. So before I close out this episode, I just want to remind you all to hold on to that hope. It's always darkest before the dawn, and as everything's falling apart around our ears, we're already building new methods and means and networks so that when it does all finally collapse, us, at least the working class, will be prepared to protect one another, to take care of one another, to provide for one another. Like, there's no... It's really hard to be part of a community when everything's good, particularly in a country that has the bootstrap mentality, and we think we did this all ourselves. But when everything starts falling down, you really can look around and see, I didn't do this all myself. I did this with the help of my family, my friends, my neighbors, random strangers that I may or may not have ever met. It's not, again, nothing happens in a vacuum. Buddhists call this concept interconnectedness that everything is tied together and i'm kind of bringing it down to a micro because in the macro it's everything from trees and bugs and us and is all one thing but speaking specifically in societal terms we are in fact all the same and we need to treat each other so because everything is interconnected I'm not a godly man, I'm not a Christian anymore, but one of my favorite Bible verses was when Jesus said, whatsoever you do to the least of my people, that you do unto me. I feel like that really hits home. <clears throat> because it's true. We are all one, and we have to take care of one another, and we have to do our best so that we're not completely screwed in the world to come. So I hope this episode didn't get you super down i go do something for yourself go take a run go for a swim watch the new episode or the new season of stranger things whatever you need to do to recharge your spoons because we need each and every one of us and we all need to take care of ourselves we're no good to the cause and to the community if we're not taking care of ourselves it's the whole airline thing of put your own mask on before you help somebody else 
We have to take care of ourselves in order to take care of each other. But most importantly, don't give up. Giving up plays into their agenda and makes things worse. When we give up, we don't participate in making things better. And we need all of us to make this shit work. After all, our only hope is each other. All right, I'm out.